This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. What is the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your life? Oh, the first thing I just thought was, oh, I'm going to need more than an hour to fit that stuff in. But I, the fact is a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. I know that is for me. That's a big thing, uh, especially you get older. <laughs> um, and the question, you know, time for what? What would you do? Would it actually make you feel better? What is it that you feel you're missing? In order, you know, that that would make it better. Um, and and one of the ways to sort of help figure out that out is, is therapy. It can help you find out what matters most to you so you can do more of it or focus on what it is that you're spending your time on that, that maybe isn't giving you that that sort of fulfilling experience. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about therapy or they talk about mental health or it's about uh, trauma or it is about, you know, like like a, a great amount of pain or anything. And those things are all very valid and everything. But also, you know, in some ways there's stumbling blocks. Uh, there is sort of a, a, something indefinable that you're having a hard time getting to that maybe is stopping you from feeling as confident as you can, as good as you can. And, you know, therapy uh, is, is one way to go after that. If you are thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, is designed to, be, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You may switch therapists at any time you like for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the iFanboy Special Edition Podcast, Justice League Crisis on Two Earths. Hello and welcome to a special edition iFanboy Podcast talking about Justice League Crisis on Two Earths. My name is Connor Kilpatrick and I'm here with Paul Montgomery. Hey. And... Especially for the first time, it is Chris Neesman. Well, hello there. You may know Chris from such podcasts as Around <laughs> Comics, 11 O'Clock Comics, and the Don't Miss podcast here on iFanboy. Yay. He's the hardest working man in podcasting. Feeling like it today. I was like, I'm on like four podcasts this week. I'm writing an article. It's uh, it's nuts. But, you know, I was thinking about it, Connor, um, of all of the crossovers that we've had from, you know, Ron's been on 11 o'clock. Josh has been on AC. I've been on, on iFanboy. Wood's been on. I, I do believe this is the very first time that you and I have ever done a podcast together. Well, I, Ron and I called in around comics once a couple of years ago. For about oh, five minutes, but this is the first time we've actually had a real show, and you've—I think you filled in for me once when I was out. That's right, that's right. So I'll—I'll—I'll I'll, I'll try not to—I'll try not to screw it up. And most importantly, don't step on my lines. Okay, that's the most important <laughs> thing to consider. Paul, I'll try, not, I'll try, I'll try not to ruin the moment. Paul sits silently while I talk. That's right. <laughs> so we're talking about Justice League: Crisis on Two Earths, which is the newest. This is a long title: DC Universe animated original movie, which is Bruce Timm's line of directed DVD PG-13 DC comics films. And since this is the first time we've had Chris on. Paul and I have talked about almost all of these together. Yep. I was curious to know what you think of this whole line of films, Chris. Uh, you know, if there's, um, you don't want to talk too much hyperbole, but you know, if there's a standard for 
building an animated universe and i know that there's a lot of that out there with with anime but uh, you know the tim, quote unquote the tim verse i think is is probably as good as you could do it on on a first on a first run without having a, a real boilerplate to follow so you know from pretty much without fail all of the stuff that has bruce bruce tim's name on it has been pretty darn high quality so uh yeah i i think it's uh i think dc has has put themselves ahead of the pack with uh with this stuff well it's funny because in in we'll get to the movie in a second but in recent years i've been thinking more and more that wow i really like the animation the dc Mm -hmm. animation and doesn't have all the weights and things that get in the way in in the books i love the books obviously but more and more i'm loving the animation more and it's all like bruce tim's fault every time i watch one of these films or rewatch the cartoons i wonder why can't the books be that good because <laughs> it's kind of funny that we have uh, and we'll review it but we have this wonderfully written jla story by Dwayne mcduffie mm-hmm. yeah exactly i went to the uh, pr- world premiere screening of this actually they held it in new york and in los angeles and Dwayne mcduffie was one of the speakers and he talked a little bit about that so i'll talk about that at the end but um, this is Justly Christ on Two Earths. It's the seventh in the long line of films, which is originally supposed to be direct adaptations of comic book stories. And they started off that way, but then they ended up veering off into different directions. But they've come back. The last one was – what was the last one? Was it Green Lantern? Yes. Uh, public that Enemies. That was a sort of a standalone story. Oh, this, that's right. Public Enemies. Public yeah. Enemies was exactly – that was a, an adaptation. And this is also a pseudo-adaptation. Uh, there's a little bit of, of JLA Earth 2, which is Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely's OGN. Justice League OGN that came out many years ago. Um, but there's, there's a lot of other stuff in here, too. There's a lot of things thrown in, into the blender to make this film. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know coming out of it, I was very happy and very excited. And I went, I wanted to rewatch everything. And I wanted to uh, just immerse myself in the Timbers again. What did you guys think of Justice League Crisis on Two Earths? Well, for me, one of my favorite things that Bruce Tim has ever done is Justice League Unlimited. And this is a script that was originally meant to bridge... Justice League of America, JLA and, and JLU, um, they were going to use it as a movie. And uh, so this is really sort of like like going back home and, and watching uh, an old Justice League Unlimited episode. Um, there are slight differences. They had to change the, the character models a bit. There's different voice actors involved. Um, they swapped out uh, Jon Stewart and put Hal Jordan in there. Um, but uh, I thought this was really one of the, the best of these seven movies that they've come out with so far. Um, it stands really well on its own, but if you're a fan of J- JLU, you're really going to love this. So it, I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I, I, it's funny to uh, to already see some comments out on the internet about uh, the the continuity gaffes, you know, because <laughs> they, it, the Timverse has gotten kind of big, and now we have some continuity that's that's being built up and especially whenever you're introducing the the hal jordan character and you know from the history of the the jla cartoon and then and then unlimited but uh uh one thing that struck me in this more than anything is you know i have to take my hat off to them staying dedicated to doing pg-13 rated uh animated features uh you know me as a as an older comic book fan i i you know, obviously we'll appreciate stuff that is targeted at a little bit more mature audience, but 
what what this one in particular did I, I think once the you know the the restrictor plate is taken off and you can take it from a PG to a PG 13 the the knee-jerk reaction is for the the mature content to be you know hyper violence and maybe coarse language uh, it, it's easier to go below the belt than above the neck with the maturity level and I don't feel like they did that with with this one I mean there's some violent scenes in there but it it wasn't dumbed down at all, and that's what I really, really enjoyed about this. And they were dealing with some pretty heavy concepts. Yeah, and I think that was the strength of this film was that it was very heady. There was a lot to think about in the film, and that is really the strength of Bruce Tim and his whole team. And Dwayne McDuffie was the writer, and he was one of the people instrumental to JLU, which I still haven't seen. Oh, just oh, I'm gonna love it, man. I know. Oh, I know. I have the discs. I've had them for two years. I I'm going to see them in the next few months. After seeing this film, I almost popped them in when I got home. That's, that, that's just that's just a nice long weekend, man. I know. Well, I, <laughs> I what I've been it. doing on iFanboy.com is I've been doing this epic recapping of the Tim cartoons. I did one for Superman. I did one for the first Justice League, and I'm going to do it again for JLU. I just I don't want to watch them without being able to write about them as well. I just need to find the time to do both. That's, that's you know, yeah. if you like the scene in this movie where uh, the the backup members the uh what do you want to call alternate members of the jla get get beamed up to the satellite yeah. and you're like ooh! if you like that scene you will love justice league unlimited let's give a pl- brief love plot recap first so the people who haven't seen it know what we're talking about in this in this film the justice league is fixing up their satellite building it actually and uh and just and lex luther from another earth shows up and he desperately needs their help because the crime syndicate is ruling his planet he's the last surviving member of the Justice League himself. So it's a sort of an alternate universe planet where the good guys are bad, the bad guys are good, and he needs the Justice League's help, so they 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 decide to go help him, at least everybody but Batman does, because he's he's stick in the mud. <laughs> he's a stick in the mud. He says, we got enough problems over here without fixing every other alternate planet. So they go off, and then there's a big fight. One thing I really thought was, that there's a couple of things that were really interesting about this. One was, the crime syndicate is in itself a goofy name. Uh, it doesn't really inspire fear, even though the the mob start off as being called the syndicate, which people forget. Um, so this in this time, Dwayne McDuffie took the name literally, and he made them into a mafia, and he even made them sort of sound like the mafia. And they had crime families, and they had soldiers and capos, and and at first it was kind of off-putting, but by the middle of the film, I was really into the idea of the crime syndicate as mafia. Mm-hmm. And I know, what did you guys think? Because I know when the trailers first came out, and you heard you heard. Um, Ultraman? Is that his name? Yeah, I, I, I just think it's kind of funny that apparently Ultraman's <laughs> spaceship didn't land in Kansas. It landed in Queens. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like that. It I, I was a nice twist in, 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 the whole, in the whole idea that this is a crime family and not a super team. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're, they're a little Italian and they're a little, you know, mafia-esque. Um, and the other thing, the big, the big thing, this was Owlman was voiced by James Woods, who gave a oh. very sort of cold, sociopathic read to the to the lines all everything was flat not in a bad way in a very intentional and, and specific way uh, in fact they talked about that at the screening how there was a choice they made to make him sort of very unemotional and very uh, reserved not reserved but very detached from everyone he's completely disconnected he's disconnected from humanity and yes. that's where a lot of these great philosophical you know meaning of life uh, concepts, you know that that he's talking about, and and it was perfect because he was absolutely disconnected from from everything. Yeah, and I thought on a whole, we we talked about um, in the beginning. These have been there's seven of these. My favorite is still New Frontier, sentimentally because I love that story. But I think on the whole, this is leaps and bounds the best written, uh, animated, 
uh, structurally. I think everything about this was was head and shoulders above the other films in terms of just the quality of the film was was really high. And I think it's interesting that they seem to be going higher and higher with each each film in terms of quality level. Yeah, I think mechanically, yeah, it's it's really impressive. It's it's one of the better films, and it's also even just just to to get your geek going, like it's it's got everything you want, like everything a fan wants. With it's chock know, full of. Just great, yeah, great moments and team ups and every every character in the Justice League gets their moment. Yes. Yes. If you're a if you're a Wonder Woman fan, you're really gonna like this because she has some great moments in this movie. She's not a background character at all. Um if you're an Aquaman fan, you're gonna love this movie because he has a really cool moment. And you know, everybody has their, their time to shine and they work really well together. Really great action sequences. It's a really exciting movie, it's really smart too. Um, they get into all the metaphysics of the the multiverse and everything. So there's stuff for everybody in there. And and uh, Chris will appreciate this. When I walked out of the screening, I immediately texted Tom Caters, our uh, fellow <laughs> podcaster and writer, and and I said, "You have to see this film because evil vibe is in it." <laughs> there's there's yes. even an evil Justice League Detroit version in the yeah. film, which every I mean everyone is almost in this break film. dance, break dancing yeah. vibe. When he did that, the crowd went nuts. Um, <laughs> The uh, what I liked actually really liked the fact that, like we talk about philosophically, this is a very heady film. You know, the whole whole thing about Owlman is he he's building this giant bomb that'll destroy his Earth, and he decides why not destroy Earth Prime, which is the I guess essentially our world, and and mm. destroy which would destroy all of the planets. Why why stop at one mass murder when you can kill everyone that's ever existed? And the idea that humans don't don't deserve to live, and what we do is so horrible that why do we why should we live? What's what, what do we bring to the planet? And that was a very interesting subject matter to delve into in what is essentially a cartoon. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was one of the real strengths of it is that they did not play down and they didn't they didn't dumb it down at all. And, and it was very very it, it, I, I did a lot of thinking about it afterwards. And, and yeah. even people in the panel afterwards said that was one of the things that drew them into the script was. The moral ambiguity. Obviously, he's a madman, and obviously he's, he's he's a killer. But at the same time, he's not necessarily wrong. That we that there are things that humans do that make them not deserve to live. Are you are you planning what? anything we should know about, Connor? Listen, I, actually, <laughs> you, the one you should worry now. about is the person you should worry about is Andrew Romano. <laughs> she she was very taken by his his arguments. <laughs> but uh, well, you know, back back to what I had talked about with making it a, a PG thirteen movie. You know, I I I love seeing them make a movie that it, it's it's not a matter of being appropriate for a uh for a 13 14 15 year old but it's a matter of just being at that level to really challenge someone i know that if i was you know when i was 13 14 15 years old i would have loved this movie and and there would be no question of whether it was appropriate or not right. it's just like yeah okay i might just need to be that age to really um start to wrap my head around stuff and you know i i you know hats off to them going the smart direction in, instead of just the uh, uh hyper violence and you know see if we can say ass you know a few times to so. me the biggest miracle in comics in the last three years is that these movies have been really successful i thought when they announced that we'd get two or three mm-hmm. before the you know the, the money ran out or they decided it wasn't worth it but we we're on seven we're on to seven now and and they well by all all in, indications have two to three in active development right now they've they've got just no plans to stop there enjoying these they're having a really fun time with them and it's, it seems like this is a this is a non-ending you know line of films this is going to go on for a long time if we get well, two or three of these a year it's going to be amazing 
Yeah, I think this one was even uh, left very open-ended for a sequel. Yeah. Well, one thing I, mm-hmm. I, um, well, I'll talk a little bit about the screening I went to. I went to the. It was hosted by the Paley Center, which is a media um, group. They they just uh, they celebrate and, and talk about media. And they um they had Dwayne McDuffie, the writer, and they had James Woods, and they had Andrew Romano there. And they there's a lot of questions. And one of the things questions people asked was. Of course, the continuity question came up because you can't have a comic book discussion <laughs> without wondering what the continuity. Where does this fit in? Exactly. Um, it's still hard to convince convince people that these Timverse movies are not all connected together, even though clearly they're not. Uh, people asked about continuity, and and they we were told in the non-answer that all comic book people give is that uh, while these films are all separate, in the future there may be um, some non-separation between a few of them. So they they're thinking of, I think they're thinking about a sequel. To one of these films, I've heard maybe Superman, Batman, because that one sold really well. But uh, they're they're they might delve before the rule was they were these are all separate. We're going to make separate films, but now that they've made money, they might be do, you know sequelitis might start setting in. But Dwayne McDuffie, he's written three scripts for films, for these films, so he's actively involved. Um, it is something they really all like, and they're getting these they're getting these big name actors, and it's amazing if you see this. Yeah cast for the next couple of films they're all almost all big name actors doing these films and it's it's the strength of these scripts one thing we haven't talked about which is the new edition which i think is genius is the showcase short films in this film in, in this dvd you get a 10 minute film about the specter which and boy did i just want more 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 <laughs> more yes make it i Make those as long and as many as you want because it was it was awesome. So uh, it's done in the '70s style. It had '70s yeah. style music. It had had the film grain. Scratches yeah. on the film. Yeah. Um, did, did you notice who wrote it? Steve Niles wrote it. Yeah, and Gary Cole played the Spectre. And one one thing that's great about these is there's a whole slew of characters that are never going to get these starring roles. They're just not. They're not going to make a Spectre film. They're not going to make exactly. Yeah. The next film is Jonah Hex. They're not going to make a Jonah Hex film. But this gives them the opportunity to at least play with them for even ten minutes. It's great. They're never seeing them ever. They have never done a Spectre in the in the Timverse. Um, it's really fun to get to at least get to play with that stuff that you'll never see. I'd lo- I can't wait to see. This is a genius idea. It's an idea. It's a way of. This is this is almost for the the fan as opposed to the buyer. You know, the general yeah. public is is the audience for the main film, but this is sort of for the comic fan. I mean. Oh, absolutely. Alyssa Milano voice acting. Yeah. And that's... I really like. I dug that it was a, it was a short. You know, it's ten minutes. People have to wrap their their heads around the idea of a short story where you get there. Aren't, there isn't really a lot of development. It's basically set up and resolution, and it's mm-hmm. uh, it's it was really fun. It gets pretty yeah, dark right. too. It's I mean, well, there's there's some cheesy elements because they're doing this this vintage you know retro thing. But the the end scene there, the last bit of revenge, was like, wow. So that that was just crazy. But I I, I do that was, have... that was one of the most gruesome and inventive death by scenes I've seen. Yeah. at the end that was awesome and i just it, it'd be such a cool idea that that's maybe this is a gateway kind of thing maybe that's wishful thinking but it'd be cool if somebody picked this up thing you know they're not a big comics reader and they they, they like the justice league because they like superman and batman and they pick it up and they're like oh what's the specter all about and they're like, that's kind of cool and then maybe they'll, they'll start you know looking up all these characters like the specter and jonah hex and any of the uh the showcase characters are going to have in these shorts that'd be pretty cool you can only uh, hope you can only hope. I, I think it's. I think it's a nice. Uh, pri- you know, I. I don't know how much crossover is there between, um, the, the cartoons or the animated features and actual comic book readers. I think that you it used to be the case. A lot of people that came in because of the X Men, 
TV you know, show, the the cartoon. But I, I see this more as a great primer to introduce those characters into uh, into more feature length, you know, ensembles. So now you've had an introduction to the Spectre. So if they do maybe move on to a JSA uh, movie at some point, maybe that's the way that they start to introduce some of those characters. Yeah, that's 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 actually an interesting point as well. Um, the whole question is what direction do they go in, and they're they're so close-lipped about what what they're going to do in the future. That's hard to say. It's it's hard to think of anything other than a constant stream of Batman and Superman films, which I'm fine with, but. Um, they're a lot of fun, and, and you know the the other thing is it's not just the same kind of Batman, no. you know, feature. They do something different every time. The next one, Under the Red Hood, they've got Bruce Greenwood as Batman, and that's I, when I heard that casting, I was like, that's perfect. Yes, and it's it's unlike any you know any kind of Batman we've probably seen. It's you know the older seasoned Batman, and and you know they've got Neil Patrick Harris coming back. He was a great Flash in um, in New Frontier, and now he's coming back as Nightwing. So I'm really excited about that one. Is, yeah. is it still is it still weird for you guys whenever Kevin Conroy doesn't do Batman? Um, it's no. getting less weird. Yeah. It's with each one, it's it's was, pretty interesting. You know, I, I thought that I thought that Baldwin did. It was Billy Baldwin, right? Yes. Uh, I thought that he did a fine job with Batman in this, but I I, I still caught myself. It's I would prefer Kevin Conroy. <laughs> it's it, that that voice is Batman yeah. to me now. So uh, that that was my only thing. But you know, Baldwin did a, a fine job. He I like the idea that they had that they can try different takes on new characters because ultimately, if every film has the same actors in them, first of all, that that it's that much harder to convince people these aren't connected. One of the reasons why they cast different actors, they said, is right. so they really establish a different world. But uh, I like the fact that you can take new, new takes on these characters. I liked, I loved Jeremy Sisto's New Frontier Batman. I loved, mm-hmm. um, I love that you can take him in different directions. I, lo- I heard that Bruce Greenwood, you know, in this, in the, they've got a little featurette on the next film in this disc, and you hear Bruce Greenwood's Batman. And he sounds this great, like older, angry, gravelly Batman voice, which sounds perfect for a, one, a Batman in Mourning. You know, this is this is all different versions of the same character. I thought before we finished with the film, one thing I, I wanted to mention, the one thing I didn't really like about the film where it didn't work for me so much was the John Jones Rose Wilson. Oh, you have you have this just crumpled up little black <laughs> piece of coal where your heart should be, don't you? I just think it was very abrupt. All of a sudden there was just like a thing. You know? It does all. it does feel like it sort of like the last place. vestiges of the this like the Justice League series kind of thing. Like that it w- it would have made more sense in that continuity. Um but yeah, it it does feel a little odd that everybody else is fighting for the you know the safety of of humanity on multiple Earths, and he's John's hanging out with the president's date. daughter. Yeah, <laughs> it just it just seemed like it was very out of place. I think it it would have if you had more time to develop it. If it had yeah, been that's like, that's uh, the big thing is that they, there's such short running times on these films yeah. that sometimes they pick off a little bit more than they could chew. But I think ultimately the balance is pretty good on this one. That that was yeah. one of the the down ones, but you know. They mentioned that, that that question always comes up the running time, and they mentioned that this is that's just the way it is. Warner Brothers says 70, 70 75 minutes. It just seems so arbitrary. Well, I guess it's if they, they air it on Cartoon Network or something. Yeah, I don't know. So it's 75 minutes. Um, well, speaking of that, too, they, they, I, I didn't know this. They also cut two versions of the film. They cut one version without violence and, and some, the language toned down for the TV, and then one version for the film. Yeah, in, in animation, probably more than any other, um, you know, obviously TV or, or movie, you can basically say it's going to cost us X per minute. Yeah, mm-hmm. is a, is another is probably another indicator of why. So. Oh, I have another note here. Things I didn't think things could have been improved. They didn't really 
identify a lot of the characters. <laughs> yeah. Like this is me just me looking at the looking at the film from a, a person who doesn't know all the characters. I don't. They didn't. A lot of the characters never had their names spoken, which I think is such a basic thing. I think you just need to say everyone's name at least once, especially in the beginning when they first come around. A lot of times, you just, I don't think they even said Green Lantern's name the entire time. Yeah, I don't uh... think they did either. But I don't know. But well, yeah, Anna... I think they call him GL, like when they're yeah. they're you know splitting up. But, uh, I just think uh, you know in their first scene, you just, it's not that hard to find a way to say, say someone's. I think that's just... <laughs> then it sounds like such a a, a '60s, early '70s comic. It's like, "Hello, Wonder Woman. How are you? I am fine, Batman. How are you today? Well, I just passed Flash in the hall, so I, yeah, I, I guess they could introduce him. But I did notice uh, an interesting thing, and and um, Connor, you're you're more the the older school. Uh, DC guy and probably more familiar with the CSA. I think a lot of people will assume that Superwoman is a cipher for Wonder Woman right. in some way she is, but that's that's Lois Lane, yeah. right? I think so. Well, it depends on the version, but yeah, she has been. Oh, that's Lane interesting. In but but uh, yeah, but I thought that it was it was funny that that was you know never really you know addressed and it, they didn't have time for it and it would just confuse people. But yeah. It's uh, that's something I've always liked about that character. And my last bit of tidbit, as I looked through my notes from the, the screening, was James Woods was originally cast as Lex Luthor in the movie when it was going to be a bridge film between JLU and JLA. Oh. So he was cast in this twice: once as Lex Luthor ten years ago, or however many years ago it was, and then again as Owlman in this one. That's interesting. Yeah, and he forgotten about it. She, she remind Andrew Romano, Romano minded, reminded him on the panel. That he was originally elected cast as Lex Luthor. As one of the other things they always say is that whenever they bring in uh, CCH Pounder to play Amanda Waller, she never remembers what the character is, and she's like, "Oh yeah, she was cool. I like her." <laughs> I don't imagine they do much watching of the film once they. <laughs> I don't imagine that happens. Um, so as we mentioned, Batman Under the Red Hood is the next one. Um, they did. I think last year they did three, right, Paul? We had uh, Wonder Sandra, Woman, Green Lantern, Green and Lantern. Superman Batman. Yes. So I'm hoping for three this year. They're doing, they're in a pretty solid two to three schedule. Uh, which one is everyone's favorite? Out of the ones that have come out so far? Yeah, the seven. Hmm. New Frontier and this are one and one A. Yeah. For me, it's this, and I thought Wonder Woman was pretty good. Wonder Woman is is probably third. I think that was a really good one. What's interesting is is I mean. We we wouldn't delve too far in behind the scenes, but everything since the 1980s in Hollywood goes through marketing. Everything everything is decided how much you can sell it. So there's sure. there's a lot of people complaining about these are these are often JLA movies or Batman movies or Superman movies, but those are the ones that sell to the general audience. And, and if you're if you're complaining, go out and buy more Flash comics, kids, yeah. mm. <laughs> or go go and buy more copies of Green Lantern: First Flight, which was the worst yeah. selling one of all. Um, which is probably why you won't see a Flash one anytime soon until the, the live action movie. But um, it's interesting, like when this first announced, the the uh, the field was so open. The third film was going to be a Teen Titans film, when that was quickly killed because of marketing concerns. And apparently, they have got this kick-ass Green Lantern Quiver adaptation that they can't get marketing to agree with, agree to do. Um, what what are some of the? Who would you guys like to see? Like if you could if you could if you could make one if you could green light one film. Well, well now that you're telling me that we can't have a flash one, I really no, want I know but no but I think I was like I would really love to see, you know, the rogues cuz they're my probably my favorite uh, you know characters in any superhero comics. Like I just I love that that group and the flash would be awesome. I think it would be a lot of fun. Um and I mentioned this on a, a thread on iFanboy that I really like this uh, more obscure Elseworlds uh JSA Liberty Files. 
which is a really fun uh, World War II story. And it takes sort of uh, alternate versions of the JSA and, and puts them in it. Or any JSA thing. I would love to see that because <laughs> I love the JSA. So I'm not picky. I think you've got a better chance of getting a JSA film now since they had that Smallville movie, yeah. which did really well. And you did, didn't you had a year ago. Although I still think it's, it's unlikely. Yeah, Liberty Falls would be awesome. Um, but, uh, you know, Gotham by Gaslight would be interesting, maybe even as a short, mm-hmm. as, as a companion. Uh, but there's there's one other J. If they want to keep doing the JLAs, I think The Nail might be the nail's interesting. And um, oh gosh, uh, you had mentioned it in your in your column, which was great, by the way. But I think a really good way to introduce some some maybe lesser known characters, uh, revisit some original JLA. Uh, animated characters is to do Cosmic Odyssey. I, I think that just screams make an animated feature. Cosmic yeah. Odyssey screams Bruce Tim. Yes, like it, it seems perfect. Dude, it's right up his that alley. Visual style, it, it's, so cool. It's, it's Kirby, 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 and more Kirby with all the you know the fourth world stuff, and and Tim just adapts that so well i mean we saw it with dark side he, yeah. he turned dark side to you know one of the best villains ever on his show and it's, yeah. he's in that you know it just seems to me the no-brainer which is probably why it's not being they seem to be they, interesting enough they seem to be going for the newer stories which is when you're going for a wider audience that wouldn't wouldn't know or care when the story was published it seems interesting they're all going for new adaptations yeah you know stuff. they get they get three a year and i think that you know kind of looking at what they've done they're they're slowly trying to introduce the main characters. I mean, you see them do a, a Wonder Woman, you see them do a Green Lantern, and I think just to keep the the train rolling, you're going to have to do a JLA and a Batman or Superman every year. So I, I think yeah. that you know you may you may see that you may see a Batman or Superman, uh, a JLA theme, and then they'll introduce uh, a new character, character. Yeah. or or roll the dice on you know on on a more obscure idea. That's interesting. I hadn't noticed that pattern, but now that you say it, it's totally there. To do a little one group film a year, and then one main film, and then a side character. Get some yep. some Doom Patrol showcase shorts, <laughs> Challengers of the Unknown. It'd be pretty awesome, actually. Dude, a Metal Man cartoon. Yeah. Oh, eventually, please make it happen. It would be so mm-hmm. awesome. Be before the uh, before the Marvel Disney uh, acquisition, it was like, man, Metal Man Pixar movie. Right. Oh. <laughs> Well, if you want to talk more about this film, you can go to ifanboy.com. There will be a discussion on this particular film. But if you also want to talk about more speculation on what you'd like to see, I wrote a column uh, this past week about my top ten most wanted DC animated films, and I, I picked my ten there. So you can go talk to lots of lots of speculation. Lots of people want to see things like Dark Knight Returns and Kingdom Come, which are too complex for 70 minutes, in my opinion. Yes. But I'd love to see them. Anyway, go to ifanboy.com. You can check out there. All the discussion there, you can go see our weekly video show, which comes out every Wednesday. We've got a weekly audio show on the week's books that comes out every Sunday. Chris, you've got my many shows to plug. Around comics, six episodes left. Uh, 11 o'clock comics every usually Thursday it's out. Uh, iFanboy Don't Miss. Uh, that is, I'm having so much fun. You've been nailing that, that show. I really hope people are enjoying it. And, it was really uh, not to be missed. I there it is it is such a great 15 minute showcase on on books that the you know are under the radar and I really hope people take the time to listen and then check that stuff out because uh, I know that Ron and and Josh and I are are all enjoying doing it it's a lot of fun good stuff so thanks for listening we'll be back probably the three of us because I think we've, we've whittled down the amount of staff who actually want to watch these movies. <laughs> 
to uh, once we lost Sonia, it became me and Paul. Uh, and so <laughs> now that Chris is around, he can he can join us, which is nice. Um, we'll be back for Batman Under the Red Hood, which is later this year. Which looks, if you have a chance to check out that featurette, you should. It looks it looks like they're raising the bar. Grizzly that one. Raising um, and lowering the bar. Crowbar right now, Jason Todd, yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening. I'm Connor. I'm Paul. I'm Chris. 